0: Episode four starts now.
1: Welcome to ShareMo EDU.
0: We are a team of two Missouri lead learners sharing stories across the state and beyond from the lens of education. I'm Dr. Renee Hawkins, principal at Maple Elementary in Smithville, Missouri.
1: I'm Dr. Eric Carlin, elementary assistant principal at Maple Elementary in Smithville, Missouri.
0: <laughs> this week we are connecting with Amanda Najar, school counselor from an elementary school in St. Louis, Missouri. From our work with Amanda in the past, we know that she is passionate about teaching students techniques to self-regulate and monitor their strong emotions. Amanda is trained in trauma-informed care.
2: Welcome, Amanda. Hi, good morning. Good morning, we're glad you're here. Thank you, thank you for having me.
1: Awesome, Amanda, why don't you just uh, help us to get to know you, and obviously uh, Renee and I know you, but uh, anybody else, just a little bit about you and uh, just so we get to know you. So I'm a
2: counselor at a school called Bayless Elementary, um, just outside of St. Louis, Missouri in St. Louis County. And um, we're a school of about just over 800 students, K through five. And I work with kindergarten and third grade. Um, We have two other counselors here. And before I was a counselor, I had a background in teaching ESL. Um, And so now here I'm kind of combining those two loves by doing counseling with a lot of students from an international population.
0: Awesome, Eight over 800 students. We were both yes. thinking how amazing <laughs> that is. <laughs> um, Amanda, if you were to create a hashtag that defines your passions about education, what would your hashtag
2: be and why? Well, I'm kind of new to the hashtags, <laughs> but um, <laughs> something that combines probably multiculturalism and counseling. I think it's really interesting to learn um, different counseling techniques that work with different groups um, because it's really not all the same. And I think that's something that I'm learning more. This is my second year counseling that I'm learning more um, with just more time out of school because really what we're taught in terms of uh, just best practices and strategies in school um, and master's programs for counseling is kind of geared towards Caucasian Americans who are not immigrants. Um, And so I think this past year, especially, I've just been learning a lot about different techniques and different strategies to work with different groups. And it's definitely a learning process. You know, the better you get to know a certain group, the more you just learn by experience uh, what works best with certain families and certain uh, immigrant populations.
1: Wow, that's a perspective I've never uh, thought about. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Share a message from a book you're reading or that you've read uh, that has moved you to take action.
2: Um, I recently read a book called Writing Ourselves Whole. And I can't remember the author, but it was about using writing um, to help survivors of sexual abuse move past their abuse. And I think it's applicable to a lot of different types of abuse and different types of trauma, Um, and really to working with kids. A lot of the women in the story were adults, Uh, but I think that I've taken a lot from that to working with students that have just had a lot of trauma in their life or have had a lot of grief or who have lost a loved one, and there's a lot of writing exercises in there that I think are really helpful. And sometimes, depending on somebody's personality with counseling, just trying to encourage a student to open up verbally in the beginning can be really difficult for them, for anybody, even for an adult. And sometimes for children, it's just hard for them to articulate what they're feeling or what they experience, And it can feel feel more vulnerable to say it sometimes. So having that toolbox of writing exercises to use and, and to offer students has been really helpful and also letting them know that the writing can just be their own that they don't have to share it with me or their parents or anybody else and that it isn't necessary to share it to get the benefits even just having their own journal and doing these writing exercises can be really helpful
0: i like how you've taken that book that was geared toward adults and made it work in your counseling sessions with students yeah a lot
2: of things just with little little tweaks you can adapt to children Mm -hmm. Um, reflect
0: on these statements, Amanda. Right now, one thing that is going well for me is, and I
2: want to grow by. Um, One thing that is going well for me is collaboration this year. Uh, I have two other counselors in our building and two school psychologists in our building. And so, you know, in the past, kind of my team was just with administration. And so this year it's kind of expanded and it's nice to have experienced counselors that have worked with this age group for a long period of time and with these demographics for a long period of time um, that know our families really well and just know our students and our, our culture really well, just to bounce ideas off of um, and to have in, in different meetings. We, we do PBIS here and we have our tier one, tier two, and tier three meetings. And so who's on those um, different committees kind of changes Um, for Tier 1 to Tier 2 to Tier 3, but each group is really an incredible group and it's uh, multidisciplinary, so it's really great to just hear uh, somebody else's perspective or have them bring an idea to the table that I might not have thought of. And then something that I would like to work on is As I begin to work with older students, I guess just learning new strategies um, since I have been with little ones for a a while now, and I've been with older ones at at, uh, the university level, but that kind of in the middle age group is going to be new for me. So as I loop with students and begin to work with the older elementary students, I would like to learn some new strategies that would better serve them. Some of the strategies that I have now are geared towards more lower elementary students.
1: Cool. Um, What three words would you use to describe the person who has made the biggest impact on your role in education? Um, And why do these words really kind of come to mind when you think of that person?
2: Um, Fun, empathetic, and knowledgeable. A professor that I had at Lindenwood, his name is Andre Young, Um, And he was a counselor at Youth in Need and also uh, working in the master's program at at Lindenwood. And the way he set up his class really uh, kind of mirrored what you would do in counseling. So instead of just saying, you know, this is what you should do with your students, that is kind of how he led the class and how he was with us. Um, And so I got to see a lot of just practical, actual things he would do firsthand instead of just hearing somebody talk about it. And uh, that was really beneficial for me and his classes were always a lot of fun. And you got to feel kind of what it would feel like to be a student in his office at Youth in Need and how he would interact with them. And so um, I really tried to take some of the things from his class and bring it into my counseling office.
0: That's a great message.
2: I think teachers, focus on that
0: too, trying to bring authenticity to their classroom and make it real for students. Yes. So nice that it's at the university level too. Okay, what has been a game-changing moment for you in education, Amanda?
2: Um, a game-changing moment, I think, would be finding the balance between uh, emotionally protecting yourself from challenging situations and crisis situations, and also staying empathetic and actively involved in the student's struggle. There's kind of this fine line where you have to walk, um, where when you're working closely with a student and things are really, really hard and you're really feeling for them, you you need to be feeling for them to, to help them, but you also don't wanna be taking it home with you um, because that's not good for your own mental health, and you have to protect yourself from burnout in the long run. So I think it's really kind of a, a fine line that you have to walk between those two. And I think that it it comes with practice, and that a lot of counselors and social workers I know who have been doing this for a long time and who are not burnt out have given me really great advice and tips on self-care and kind of how to walk that line and, and have that balance.
1: Mm. Well, so that I'm kind of leads into our into- next
0: question. <laughs> yeah.
1: So if your cup is not full, you cannot fill the cup of others. I love that. <laughs> I love oh, that. On hand. So how, what's, what's one way or, or a couple of ways, how do you actually go about then promoting that self-care or what, what is some of those tips from the veterans who, you know, are, are still uh, going at it and, and haven't burnt out. So
2: I think Making, seeing and viewing time for yourself and just yourself as necessary and not, real, not selfish is really important. I think especially for women, and most of our educators, especially at the elementary level, are women and are also mothers, um, working mothers and wives, it can be hard for a lot of people to carve out that time for themselves and not feel guilty about it. I hear a lot of people say things along the lines of, I I don't know, I can almost feel a sense of guilt when they're talking about taking the time to do something for themselves. But I really don't like to view it that way at all because you have to take care of yourself if you're going to be any good at taking care of anyone else. Um, So I think viewing it with that mindset as necessary and not selfish is really important. And for me personally, I think that my, my most fun and and most energizing self-care is when I do something physical. I love yoga in the summer, riding my bike and kayaking. And I've recently started Latin uh, dance salsa and bachata and merengue. And so anything that I'm doing physically, I think helps really just my mind to relax and it's so different than what I'm doing at work every day. My job is not a physical job. Um, a lot of times I might be in a classroom or sitting at a desk. So just having that switch mentally where I can do something physically with my body. And then we all know how great exercise is for releasing endorphins and things like that. Um, but I I wouldn't um, advocate one type of self-care over another. I think it definitely depends on the person. And you just have to find what you love and what works for you and then make the time and commit to it. So I use Google Calendar for everything in my entire life and I color code it and those types of things are yellow and I have to put it on the calendar because then in my mind, if it's on there, I know I will do it Mm -hmm. and I won't um, let it get passed up because I feel too busy or because something else came up. So just really committing to it and, and, and valuing it and making sure that I see it as important. Mm-hmm. on time. days where I don't feel like doing it, just kind of making myself do it.
0: Right. Right. Uh, recently, I read Jimmy Casa's book, and he talks about it's not really balanced because it never comes out equal between work and, and your personal life. It's more of an ebb and flow. Yes. And thinking about, it, it's the life goal. You know, just sometimes, you know, you'll have to spend more time at work, and sometimes okay. you have to dedicate more time to your family. But you have some really good advice there. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, this month, We are promoting Hashtag Phenomenal February. What is one thing you can do to make this month extraordinary?
2: Sorry, can you repeat that?
0: Yes. This month we are promoting Phenomenal February. What is one thing you can do this month to make it
2: extraordinary? Um, Recently, a friend told me something about how you view others and how you view yourself. And I've been trying to think of that this month especially. And I actually shared it with somebody yesterday who was speaking down about themselves, a teacher at our school, Um, usually how we look at other people and the kindness that we extend to them is much higher than what we extend to ourselves. People are so critical of themselves. And a teacher was talking about a lesson that didn't go well. um, And I guess just how down he felt about it. And so I told him, how would you think of that lesson if you had watched a colleague do it? Would you think the same things that you're thinking about yourself Or would you have been able to find the positive and give them the benefit of the doubt and see anything that didn't work out as just room for improvement and exploration instead of, you know, something terrible that happened? So just extending that same kindness that is so easy for us to give to other people, to ourselves, is really important and something that I'm trying to focus on and pass along to other people this month.
1: I love that. And charge your own happiness. That's right.
2: Okay, Amanda, we've come to the moment
0: in this interview where it's time for the fast five. We're going to (laughs) fire five questions at you, and we just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Question one.
0: You are a new addition to the crayon box. What color are you and why?
2: Uh, Green because I love nature.
1: (laughs) If you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be and why?
2: A tiger because they're... Fierce. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? A counselor. <laughs> um,
1: sorry, did you, I didn't hear your answer to that one.
2: Can you a say counselor? it again? Oh, a counselor, yes. <laughs> oh, here good. An elementary okay. school counselor. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Well, you're doing great. <laughs> um, tell me something I don't know about you.
2: Um, I love to travel. I don't know if you know that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I could probably guess that about you. (laughs) Um, Would you rather never use social media sites again or never watch another movie or TV show?
2: Oh, that's hard. Never use social media.
1: All right. (laughs) You made it through the fast five. Amanda, thank you so much. It's been awesome uh, getting to talk to you again um, as we knew you. Um, previously, and it's just been an enjoy to kind of hear about the lens of of trauma-informed care and just self-care and and all the work that you're doing uh, with kids. So at this time, we just want to thank you and give you an opportunity to share any closing thoughts or anything um, for people that'll end up watching that uh, you'd like them to take away or or, um, uh, comments.
2: Thank you guys for having me. This is really exciting. I'm glad that you guys are doing this and I can't wait to hear and watch your other podcasts. Well, thank
1: you. Thank you.
2: So, tune in
0: next week to learn more as we share Share
1: mode. Thanks, Amanda.
0: Thank you. Goodbye.